Hey guys, welcome to episode number 52 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, I'm here with Marla today. I actually found Marla because I came across her YouTube channel a few days ago and I messaged her right away to come on the podcast because she was so informative. Her YouTube channel is um, Happy Holistic Life and she talks about candida, psoriasis, rosacea, all these health issues that I'm really, really interested in knowing more about because I personally suffer from rosacea on my arms and I've had this like really annoying candida problem in my body for the past seven months. I don't know if some of you guys know about that, but I've spoken about it a bit on my podcast. So yeah, welcome Marla. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this. I am too. So really quickly before we kind of get into the big subjects, do you think you could tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, how you became a holistic nutritionist, a bit, you know, about your background, your health journey and everything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It really started when I was in high school. I was 16 and I got a job at Tim Hortons. So it was like a for if you're not Canadian, you might not have heard of it, but it's like a coffee shop with donuts. Oh, I'm and Canadian. Stuff. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was my first job. And as you can imagine, I just ate a lot of junk food. I was also entering university and just had a really bad diet and had absolutely no concept of health at all. Um, so I got a lot of um, health conditions like IBS. Um, I worked at a hospital, so they had me take eight different vaccines within like two weeks as well, um, which I found really like triggered my psoriasis and a lot of things. Um, So just a lot of um, health issues sort of popping up in my like later teens. And I kind of brushed it aside, not really, um, you know, thinking anything of it. And I went to a lot of doctors and they would give me creams and kind of send me on my way and never really mentioned diet and all that. Um, so pretty much it got to the point where I couldn't function. I was in university, um, studying biological sciences and I'd be in my lab or in the hallway, just crouched over in so much pain from IBS, um, had a lot of eczema and I really was just like getting really frustrated. I was like, there's got to be an answer to this. It can't just be, you know, take a cream and you'll be fine. So that's when I started researching health and, um, I literally would Google like not how to naturally cure um, eczema and things like that. And that's really when I started realizing how deep it actually goes and about the gut health and, you know, detoxing and all of that. So I kind of fell in love with it. And as I started to follow just like some random tips from Google, I started feeling better. So I knew that it would work. And that's kind of how I started my Um, I guess my holistic health career, I just graduated um, in August from CSNN. So I'm officially a registered holistic nutritionist. And yeah, I got my YouTube channel running. And yeah, I just love what I do right now. It's been amazing. Congratulations. It sounds incredible. And I love hearing people that are just, you know, doing their life's purpose and like really enjoying their career. And I think that's so important. And Yeah, like your videos are so informative. So guys, I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about today. I think just like a whole myriad of health things because 
I personally really want to talk about candida at some point. Like, mm-hmm. I find it so interesting because it's it's so gut related. So, for the listeners not really knowing what candida is, do you want, maybe want to explain it a bit? Because I'm pretty sure like more people have it than not. Like, I'm convinced <laughs> yeah. that so many people have candida that don't even realize it. Yeah. So you know what? You're you're definitely right there. It's a lot of people have it, and especially in the world we live in today, with you know toxic fumes from cars and the pollution, the sugar and processed oils and all that in the food we eat. It's just very normal. And all the antibiotics and drugs and everything we're taking, it's totally normal um, to have candida overgrowth, but pretty much it's um, a yeast um, that's in our our digestive tract that's actually beneficial in small amounts. Um, it helps us digest our food and, um, you know, really is a part, important part of our immune system. Um, but what happens is as we consume copious amounts of sugar, we're so stressed from our fast paced lifestyles. We're taking antibiotics and NSAIDs and other medications. Um, we are just really not consuming enough probiotics. And because of that, the good probiotics we do have in our gut kind of die off. And the candida, which is an opportunistic yeast, will just naturally overgrow and kind of take over. Um, and it, kind of what happens is it becomes, it, it transitions into its fungal form um, and then it can become systemic. Once it enters the bloodstream through the gut lining, it can um, travel to any part of the body. And that's when you start getting skin conditions or, you know, that those, that anything related to candida overgrowth. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, it's, it's definitely, like it's yeast a, infections too. Like yeah, that's exactly. like the biggest thing. Cause I honestly, I, my entire life, like I'm a 22 year old girl. I like really have had them normally, like maybe once every year or two, like a yeast mm-hmm. infection. If I've like been by the pool all day and like didn't change out of my bikini all day or something, you know, very yeah. normal but oh, about yeah. seven months ago. So just to give you a bit of a background, I was on the IUD birth control um, I got it about two years ago and I ended up taking it out six months ago because I was convinced that was the reason I was getting chronic, uh, yeast infections. They call it thrush here in the UK. And it's yeah. just like the most uncomfortable, like you feel so unfeminine and you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm so clean. Like, this is like so weird mm-hmm. and it yeah. really messes with you. So like I started getting them, um, ran, I got it like two or three times back to back and I was like, this is so weird. So instantly I was like, I can't like this is like not okay. I I don't like having this and I feel like it's not good for my body to have this for for such a long period of time. So I instantly booked an appointment to take out my IUD cuz I thought it was like a local hormonal thing going on just messing mm-hmm. with my balance. So I got it taken out and obviously I'm quite hard-headed. So I, you know, the a few days later got the arm implant birth control put in cuz I have a, you know, long-term boyfriend and you know who likes condoms. Um <laughs> so I got the arm implant And I, like, it still was happening and it was so painful to get the arm implant in. And I was just like, oh, like, I just want to try everything I can before getting this back out. Cause like, I don't even know what kind of birth control I'm going to, I'm going to do and and all this stuff. If I don't, if I'm not on this, like I hate the pill, all this stuff. So I, I'm convinced my candida is linked to my hormone imbalances. And that's just like a theory I've come up with. Um, so yeah, fast forward a bit. I've, I'm now on these antifungal pills a doctor prescribed me, which is so not natural, but you know, like I'm doing everything I can just to get rid of it. I'm also, mm-hmm. um, doing a high fat, really low carb diet. Um, I, I really eat like a very healthy plant, um, fueled keto ish diet. Um, mm-hmm. but again, intuitive eating, if I'm craving, like, I, I like, I'm very healthy. 
but I'm, I, the weird thing is this kind of all started happening when I went a little bit more keto. Like I was always eating normally, um, a normal healthy diet before, but like I kind of started keto about seven months ago and it kind of happened at the same time, which is really weird because people say that like doing a keto, higher fat, lower carb diet is supposed to really relieve the symptoms of candida and really help with those kind of digestive issues. So I've been kind of testing around with that and, um, you know, I'm still doing that because I think it's good for me and I feel really good on it. And then fast forward a little bit more time, I'm on these antifungals. So I haven't had an infection in a few months, but I've also just like, I I took this gut test um, with my holistic nutritionist here in London and she did a stool test on me uh, about two months ago. And she found that I had a path, almost pathogen, pathogen, is it? Um, Bacteria living in my gut called Clibella something. And it's obviously naturally occurring in your gut, but it was overgrown and I had Mm -hmm. a candida overgrowth. So those two things. And I was like, shit, like, what do I do? She said to me, (laughs) if I didn't do anything about it now, I would either get IBS or leaky gut or some gut problem, like really bad. So we had to deal with it then and there. So for the past like two months, I've been on these, um, natural supplements that she gave me. So like grapefruit seed extract, berberine uh, pills. And I've been really, really, you know, doing some, like I haven't done the candida cleanse um, very intensely, but I've been, you know, having the Pau Darko tea and like eating very Mm -hmm. low carb and like, you know, I'm doing the, I I just, I want to kind of figure it out. Um, which is, I'm so happy that you're on this podcast too. Sorry, I'm talking so much. I'm almost done. I promise. (laughs) So, (laughs) so then I finally also um, in the past week have decided to take out my arm implant because I'm like, listen, I preach health all the time. I am like such a health conscious person. I'm like, and hormones are everything. I didn't realize it until like I've done so much research the past month, but hormones are literally so important. And why am I putting these, these like unnatural hormones in my body when it's literally imbalancing everything and all the time and effort and money I put into my body for its health. It's just like messing everything up. So I've made the executive decision and I'm finally going to, you know, see if this works. So yeah, that's my story. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. You're definitely like on the right track. It's the biggest thing I think for people is making the switch from eating unhealthy, um, you know, to eating clean and, it's, it's not even like you can never touch a piece of pizza or have ice cream. It's just, it's about balance. And I think that at least in America, we're so out of balance. Usually our diets, pizza, burgers, fries, deep fried things, and very little vegetables and whole foods. So just making a switch and, you know, focusing your diet around natural whole foods and fruits and vegetables, it's, it makes a you know huge difference. So you're you're really doing great. I saw actually a couple of your what I eat in a day on your YouTube channel. Mm. So your food looks awesome. You're doing amazing. Thank you. But then why the hell have I been dealing with this for seven months? It's like, do you think it's a hormonal issue? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of things. Like um, first of all, it candida goes so much deeper than just you know changing your diet um, and, and trying to heal the gut. It's more even before you start a candida diet, the body is so complex. Um, your liver is always the the number one place that you want to focus on in your body. Um, your liver performs five to 600 different enzymatic functions per second. So it converts hormones and it stores vitamins and minerals. It detoxes, it provides enzymes. Um, and just naturally with the foods you eat, if you're stressed, any medications or birth control, anything like that, that you're on, it's just a lot more stress for your liver. So a lot of times what happens is when your liver and your kidneys are blocked, um, you can have, um, 
like these, you can go on, for example, switch to a keto diet and, you know, expect your candida symptoms to get better. But a lot of times people just start feeling worse. And just the reason for that is candida and parasites are dying off. And when they do, they release viruses and toxins that are circulating the body. And because your liver specifically cannot handle that toxic load, these toxins are just recirculating around the body and in the bloodstream, and they don't have an elimination pathway to escape. So for some people, it'll go through the skin and they'll get eczema or acne. Um, other people just will get major runny nose and yeast infections because it's trying the toxins are trying to leave through the mucous membranes. Um, so it's really different for everyone. But I usually say before even attempting to you know do a candida cleanse, you always should start with a liver kidney cleanse um, or drainage protocol. And then once you do that, usually you notice that your your symptoms aren't so bad. And as you move into the keto diet or low carb, you shouldn't have any die-off effects or anything like that. That is so clever. I've never thought about it in that way. Yeah, Doing a liver cleanse first. Yeah. It's a really like, if you just think of it, like your liver and your kidneys are doors for toxins to leave the body. And normally they, if were perfectly functioning, those doors would open, toxins would leave through your urine and your stool, and you'd be good to go. But unfortunately, you know, people don't do liver and kidney detoxes, and they don't even realize how important it is. So your liver and kidneys are just stressed, the doors just don't open, so toxins don't have an exit, and they just recirculate. Um, And it causes a lot of inflammation. And that's just where you start getting like those yeast, chronic yeast infections, um, weakened immune system and all that kind of stuff. And it actually does cause quite a bit of damage to the body. If, you know, you were, you know, doing a big detox, like a candida and parasite cleanse without supporting the liver. And it, it really is always a first place to start. Even with my clients, I always just start with liver and kidney drainage, get those elimination pathways open so that your body can handle the stress of a candida cleanse. Okay. So what are some ways that we can cleanse our livers and kidneys? Are there supplements or is there a certain regime you put your clients on? So there's a, there's a few ways. Um, my personal favorite is homeopathics. I've had incredible, um, you know, results with those. Um, the thing is, is homeopathics are very specific to the individual and their nutrients and like deficiencies and imbalances. So you can never just like recommend a a generic homeopathic drainer. Um, that's something that would have to be done like, um, you know, in a consult, but if you could, if you have like the resources to, um, you know, seek out help from a, um, like a holistic nutritionist or a naturopath or something, then I would highly recommend getting on homeopathics for that. But there are what definitely- is homeopathics for so some, there, like, I don't really know what that is. Oh, so there's, it's just a type of, so you know how there's like um, herbal supplements, there are more mm. like food based and then homeopathics is just a branch where they take, um, sometimes they'll use animal, um, like certain uh, homeopathics are like organo- organotherapy. So they'll actually use animal extracts, but usually they're plant, um, specifically bud extracts, and they are quite diluted. So they have a very powerful effect on, on the body, but they're not something that you can overdose on because they are so diluted. Your body just kind of gets like the energetic benefits from it without um, it causing any type of toxicity in the body. So they're really, really effective. Um, and like I said, because they kind of work a little bit on the energetic um, energy of the body, um, they're just, they're absolutely amazing. I, I've had so much good results with them. So 
they're just one, you know, branch of, um, I guess, holistic medicine. You know what? My my cousin, so my cousin Charlotte, she is probably listening to this podcast. Hey, Charlotte, she loves this podcast. <laughs> um, and she has some skin issues, like some psoriasis and stuff. And she actually went to this um, homeopathic, like energy healer woman, I think that's what she was. And she basically tested Charlotte for everything and all the bugs in her system. And she gave her these little water droplets that had been um, – matched energy wise to the things that were trying to like heal her basically. Yeah. I don't really know all the gist of it, but is it something like that? Does it, does it have to be yeah, a pill exactly. or can it be like this water energy? Um, you know what? I do more. Um, I, there's something called gemotherapy that I like. It's not certain homeopathics are so diluted that there's absolutely no substance left from whatever plant they were using. It's just purely energy. I use more something called gemotherapy, which there is actually some um, remnants left of, you know, the certain plant that they were using. Um, but the idea, yeah, is like, for example, um, if someone has like burning eyes and, you know, runny nose type symptoms, you would, the idea with homeopathic medicine is that like cures like. So for example, you would use like the red onion homeopathic. Normally, if you didn't have, um, you know, any issues and you were to cut an onion, you would, your eyes would start to burn. So what they do is they actually take a very diluted form of the red onion, for example, and you would take that and the theory or philosophy is that like cures like, so the, by taking the red onion, it would actually get rid of your, you know, burning eyes and nose like symptoms, if that makes sense. Um, and that's how it is for anything. If you have like a, you know, a big rash with like lots of pus, um, maybe getting infected, they actually, one of the homeopathic remedies would be poison ivy that's very diluted and it would um, help with those symptoms. So something that would cause the symptoms is also the thing that would take it away. Um, so that's kind of how homeopathy works. so interesting. Work. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, so should I eat sugar to get rid of my candida? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they have? Um, there's actually like a, it's called um, can Albix. It's a homeopathic preparation and it's candida. Um, it's just very diluted and it works amazing at actually getting rid of candida, which is just crazy. It's, there's so much depth you know, in homeopathy, it's something that we, it would take hours and hours to, to learn about. Um, it'd be too long for this podcast, but if you ever have time, yeah, just try to search deep, like a little bit more deep into homeopathy. It's quite, quite amazing. It's very interesting. Um, that's so incredible. Yeah, there's, um, so there's that and that's what I prefer to use, but there is also, um, uh, like herbs you could use. I like, um, if you can get access to it, you can buy it online. There's something from the company Omega Alpha. They have a liver flush and they also have a kidney flush and it's just herbs. It's not as effective as homeopathics. And I think at some point you should get on homeopathics to do true deep liver drainage. But um, it's it's really good if you're, if you're starting out. Um, and something else you could do is more like hot lemon water, liquid chlorophyll, um, those are some great drainers. And then you could also do um, uh, like glutathione, methionine, some zinc and copper, selenium. So I do have a couple YouTube videos that kind of go really in depth on exactly what to do. But the thing is, at the end of the day, liver, liver detoxification is quite complex because there's two phases. The first phase, you need certain nutrients to kind of, I guess, bring up the toxins. And then the second phase, you need different nutrients to open up the liver so the toxins can leave. Um, so if you kind of support one phase without the other, you're going to have issues. So it's really complex, but there are, um, I think renew life as well has, um, like a liver detox that has phase one and phase two, like 
two different bottles and you could just take one supplement in the morning, one at night. Um, again, I don't find herbs to be as effective, but they're still good if you're just starting out and you have no idea what to do. Mm, okay. So I guess the, the tips altogether are one, find a homeopathic, um, doctor. Is that what you call them? Homeopathic doctor? Yeah, there's, you can do a homeopath. You can do a naturopath. Um, so there's a lot of different practi- health practitioners that would do um, uh, homeopathics. Okay, great. So you get kind of tested through them because it's kind of hard to self-diagnose, I guess. And then they would give you homeopathic medicine. Um, other option would be just to get those liver and kidney um, you know, herbal pills if you don't, you know, if you can't go to a homeopath, yeah. um, which is great. I'm going to go. So so would you recommend me to go to that girl my cousin went to? Because that kind of sounds like the same thing, right? Yeah. Is you find someone who you work with, uh, who you could like get along with and who really understands, um, I guess, your specific symptoms. Um, and yeah, if you work well with them, then they can, you know, find your exact imbalances and give you the necessary homeopathics for that. Um, so yeah, as long as you know, you get, you find someone who is, who's reliable. Mm -hmm. It's just so crazy how it works. You know, if I told my boyfriend, who's like the most science and math minded kind of guy who doesn't even believe in the law of attraction, like (laughs) if I told him that I was going to go to somebody who would give me these water droplets of energy to help with my candida, he'd be like, Mimi, what are you doing? But I honestly (laughs) think it works. I genuinely do. And my cousin told me that when she started doing it, she um, kind of felt really crappy for a day or two, a few days after starting. And then she felt really good. And it kind of like, it's already been improving her problems. Like her skin's been great. She also swears by a good probiotic for her psoriasis and her skin. So yeah. So I take one of those every morning too. Um, So just for general gut health, like do you have any major tips that you give your clients that everyone can kind of take into account? Yeah. Um, the first thing, probiotics, um, so important, uh, to get a really good potent dose of, of those in your diet. And then, um, sorry, I think my son woke up, so he's calling. It's okay. Um, So cute. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that would be, that would be a big one. And then I would definitely say if you could start getting in, if you're not vegan, um, some bone broth or gelatin that really helps to provide your body with enough protein and amino acids to really build up the gut lining. Um, okay, what, what kind of bone broth? Because I actually went to Whole Foods today and I didn't know which one to get. So I got the chicken and the beef. I don't. I actually don't eat red meat, um, yeah. but just because I used to be vegetarian for so long and like I haven't got myself back to it yet. Um, mm-hmm. But which one would you suggest? I think the beef one I've heard is is more nutrient dense, isn't it? You know what? They both beef, chicken, and fish have different um, types of collagen. So ideally, if you could get a multi, that would be the best. There's so many different types of collagen. There's actually 10 different types. And each type of collagen focuses on a specific part in your body. So one's more for joints, one's more for skin health, one's more for gut. So any one is great and they're all going to support certain areas because it, it is um, like lots of different amino acids. But I do like the, if you're in the US, I do like the multi-collagen from ancient nutrition um, because you're getting several different um, you know, types. Otherwise, I do prefer like beef gelatin. Um, and then in terms of bone broth, chicken or beef are great um, as well. So as long as you're at the end of the day, just getting in a bunch of different amino acids, um, you're going to be doing good. Um, bone broth has some gelatin in it, which is nice to help, you know, soothe the gut and kind of seal it up. So, um, and yeah. just make sure it's grass fed as well or pasteurized. Yeah. 
Definitely. Um, I honestly, I've read so much about the whole candida thing lately, like I said, and so many people say like, you just need to get bone broth in your system. You just have to. So let's really quickly talk about the candida cleanse that you did that you've done before. I don't know how many times you've done it, but I actually watched your video that you talked about it and it apparently really, really helped you. So what do you eat on that kind of cleanse slash diet? Yeah. So I did, um, when I was on it, I did, after I did the liver cleanse, um, I kind of continued the liver cleanse into the candida cleanse and did them together. And in terms of food, I went completely carb free except for, um, like vegetables, like green vegetables. And I also did eat some berries. I never fully cut out, cut them out, although I was newly postpartum. So I had to have some type of carb just to, you know, reestablish um, everything that I lost. But um, I did have berries and otherwise I just did lots of healthy fats, wild caught fish, um, chicken, uh, lots and lots and lots of vegetables, chia seed, flax seed, coconut yogurt, um, lots of like lemon water. So that kind of stuff. I did um, that for about 30 days, maybe 40 days. And then after that point, I did bring in carrots a little bit. Um, and I did that for just about a week. And then after that, I brought in buckwheat one, one week later, and I would just have that maybe twice a week. Um, I would bake cookies with it or make bread with it. Um, so it's about gradually kind of introducing things back in after a month or so. Yeah. Something that's like, I noticed with so many people, the biggest mistake they could make is they go put all the effort and they do, you know, the candy to cleanse, but then after 30 days, they bring in everything back and they don't go gradual and all their symptoms come back. Um, and another thing is usually you want to do the the full cleanse for about 90 days because you want to get the full life cycle of the parasites, you know, the eggs, the larvae, the adults. So um, is candida you, a parasite? It, it technically is um, because it acts like one in terms of um, once it becomes systemic, it ends up, you know, stealing all your nutrients and stuff. So it technically is um, parasitic. But um, yeah, usually candida, if it's systemic, if you've had symptoms for a while, you want to be on it for a while. I would say at least 90 days for candida and same for parasites. Um, and then possibly even take a, maybe a, a two week break and then maybe continue for another 30 days even. Um, but regardless, yeah. um, you know, however long you choose to do the cleanse, just bring foods in gradually. Do not just try to bring in carrots and sweet potatoes and squash and everything um, because your symptoms will come back. What about nuts? Because I've read that nuts are technically moldy kind of, and you're not supposed to have that on the candida cleanse, but I freaking love nuts. Yeah. You know what? Um, I do too. Uh, I think everyone's different. I for sure stayed away from peanuts and cashews. And I did notice if I did eat them that I would get, you know, the rashes and all that again. Um, so I stayed away from those during the cleanse, but other than that, I did have nuts and I just made sure they were raw, like raw almond butter. Um, I'd liked sunflower seed butter, which is technically a seed. Um, but I also did like hazelnut butter. Um, and I didn't have any issues at all, but I think it it just comes down to the individual. Some people I think are more sensitive than others. Mm. And then the other question I have is how long do you do a liver cleanse for? Cause obviously the candida cleanse, you said, you know, 90 days to kind of mm-hmm. let your gut, um, you know, or the whole cycle to happen. Um, but how, how long would you, do you just like do it intuitively? Yeah. With the liver cleanse, I think the the most important is, have you ever done one before? And if the answer is no, um, and you're, you know, in your late teens and on, I would say at least a year. So, um, 
you can do a liver cleanse and still eat quite normal. Um, the liver cleanse is more just making sure your liver is open. So toxins that are in your body are just leaving properly. Um, so what I would like recommend is start a liver cleanse, do that for at least 30 to 60 days, continue the liver cleanse, but then begin the candida cleanse. And so they're kind of doing them together. And then after the candida's cleanse is done, continue the liver cleanse and go for a year. Um, I'm on a year and a half and I still find that if I stop, um, I still do get some symptoms. So I'm just going to continue it until, um, you know, I, I feel like my liver's finally, you know, up and running properly again. So what is, what homeopathic medicine are you exactly taking for your liver? Is it a pill or is it a dropper? No, it's a, yeah, it's a tincture. All the homeopathics that I have seen are um, alcohol based. So that is something also to, to keep in mind if you ever have any sensitivities to alcohol, but um, yeah, mine's alcohol based and I'm actually on a few and it, and it changes. You should never stay on one, you know, for a full year. It has to change um, because it can become like your body can rely on it and it also can just become ineffective. Um, so I am actually constantly changing mine. I do it for myself, um, just based off of, um, you know, the symptoms that I'm having. Um, sometimes I was like, initially I was on like five or six different ones that support the liver. And then I not gradually went down to like one or two. Um, and now I'm doing like a lot of just liquid chlorophyll as well, just to keep, you know, even if I stop the homeopathics, just to keep things flushing, you can also do like a spirulina and a Craxel chlorella as well. They're great. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So what have you found works best for your skin issues? What skin issues have you had again? You had psoriasis. Yeah. Um, I saw that video. Yeah, psoriasis. Um, did you also have rosacea? No, I did not. I just had a psoriasis and eczema specifically. I never had an eczema anywhere on my body except around my mouth, um, kind of paired with something called angular chelitis, which is like major cracking in the corners of your mouth and even sometimes. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. So those were like my two or three my two or three skin conditions. The psoriasis was something that I had developed later. Um, I think I was like 20 and uh, my eczema was there since I was like six years old. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah. have you fully gotten rid of those yes. or are, are you still kind of in the works? You have. Wow. Yeah. They, they've been cleared for, um, I'm going to say just over, I had cleared my psoriasis and then I went on a vacation and I was completely out of control with the food. I, I just, I, we were actually staying with family, so I didn't really have an option of what I was eating. Um, and I had a lot of like red meats and it was just like conventional meat um, and like nightshades, mm-hmm. which are deadly for me. So I came back and I had a flare. And ever since that flare though, I've been cleared. So I don't even know how long now, maybe a year, um, but my eczema has been cleared for over a year now, which has been great. So and that's what really kind of I- way of eating? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, yeah, that's when I actually have only been like on this journey for a year and a half now. So it's been nice mm-hmm. that- um, you know, considering I've been, my skin's been doing great, but, um, yeah, sorry. What was the question? Oh yeah. I was going to say, um, so what is the the way of eating and the lifestyle changes you've made for your, for your skin clarity? The first thing is I just really watch my, I'm completely gluten-free. Um, I'm not sure if gluten is, you know, still a trigger for my psoriasis, but I just am too nervous to find out. Um, I just don't even want to eat it. And I've gotten so used to living gluten-free that I really enjoy it. Um, and it's so easy now me to go too. to restaurants and stuff. So gluten mm-hmm. for me was huge cutting that out. Um, I didn't clear, even when I was doing supplements and everything else, just there was no improvement until I cut out gluten. So that was my, for me personally. But the other mm. thing is really watching my sugar. I have a big sweet tooth. So normally I would just like want to eat ice cream and, and sweet things all the time. So something that I do is I haven't had cane sugar in my house 
in over almost two years now, I only use natural sweeteners. And even with that, I just watch, you know, in moderation, if I want something sweet, I'll make it, but I don't put like cups of maple syrup in it. I'll just like keep it lighter in the sugar. And I usually will add like a liquid stevia or something. Um, okay. So for natural sugar, you mean like maple syrup or agave or something? Yeah. I use, uh, I personally like, uh, raw honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar, or molasses. Um, I don't Mm. use agave just, it's uh, really high in fructose. So really hard on the liver. So I usually stay away from that Mm. one, but, um, any natural sweetener really is, it's just a much better option than cane sugar. And because you're getting the fiber with the sweetener, it's going to, you know, it's not going to spike your blood sugar levels and feed candida like pure cane sugar would. What do you think about stevia? Because I don't touch any sugar at the moment. I'm just kind of having some stevia here and there if I feel like something sweet. Yeah, I love it. Um, you just I'm, I'm against like the white powdered stevia um, just because it's really refined. So stevia is just like a green leaf. Um, and if you think of how it takes for it's like a 42 or 43 step process to get it from the green leaf to like a white powder. So um it's really processed and therefore really inflammatory. So I either do the pure green stevia powder, organic traditions has a really nice one, or I will um, do like the liquid stevia where it's just like the extract from the leaf. Mm, Yeah. I have that, the liquid stuff. It's good. Yeah. It's great. Amazing. So let's talk about rosacea because I actually saw you have a video up, but I haven't seen it yet. And I really want to see it. <laughs> um, what do you what do you think rosacea is caused by? Because I actually have rosacea on my arms. It's pretty toned down at the moment, but it sometimes flares up and gets bumpy and like really uncomfortable. I've had it since I've been like nine or eight years old, mm-hmm. and I don't really know what triggered it. And I've done the no dairy. I've done the no gluten. I've done like so. I've tried every cream. I probably spent you know thousands of dollars <laughs> on the expensive creams to help me, and nothing works. Yeah, um, rosacea is usually there's there's a lot of factors that like change in climates, uh, genetics, that kind of stuff. But usually the main is aside from um, candida overgrowth, it would be an underactive stomach. So usually people with um, low hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Um, are not digesting foods, specifically protein. Um, and when that happens, that's what is kind of causing like the flare. You're just having those undigested foods entering the bloodstream through your leaky gut and uh, it causes that inflammation. So usually people get quite good relief if they supplement with something called betaine HCL. There are so many different um, brands on the market. They're all great. And it's a really cheap supplement that you could take after um, any meal with protein and it prevents bloating and um, it really helps to digest the food. The only thing is um, you only take it if you have an underactive stomach. So um, if you were to take it and you feel burning, that's, you know, you would want to stop and um, look into maybe doing candida cleansing and other things. Mm, okay. But you think it's curable? Like, oh, absolutely. even though I've had this for, oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah my goodness. definitely. You know what? Any, I believe any skin condition um, is completely curable just because whatever's showing up on the skin is really just what's going on internally. Um, and once you balance that out and fix that, um, you know, your skin issues won't be there anymore. And it's always, again, comes back to the liver. Once your liver is draining properly, you're not going to have that redness and that, you know, those reactions in the skin because toxins won't need to be eliminated through the skin anymore. They can get eliminated through the liver and the kidneys the way they should. So usually acne and all that clear up and even, you know, with hormonal acne or any, even rosacea can be hormonal as well. Um, if hormones are, are being excreted through the liver properly, then again, you won't have those skin conditions. So, 
Interesting. So anybody out there with any kind of skin problem, whether it's acne, rosacea, psoriasis, eczema, would you agree to say that it all has, it's all related to your gut health and your liver health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Always. And I've seen it time and time again with, I have over a hundred clients and every single one of them, always one of the underlying is liver and candida overgrowth. And I've yet to see one who has not, that's not been the case. That's insane. So yeah. if, okay, let's just say I go on a liver cleanse and a candida cleanse and I'm being so good and I take out my birth control and everything, how long do you think it would take for me to kind of get back to, to complete normalness and not have an overgrowth of candida and make my rosacea go away and all that jazz? Yeah, it's a, it's a very common, it's a million dollar question. Um, yeah. I, I say it <laughs> always on my channel. It, it really depends on the individual and there's there really isn't a timeline. Um, what I can say is it depends on your age and also how long you've been unhealthy. So for example, um, it's usually three months of cleansing, detoxing, and rebalancing for every year you've been unhealthy. So in my case, I started when I was 16, like really being disgusting with food. Um, and I didn't stop until I was around 21 so for me, I had about a good five years. So I say it takes at least 15 months for me to rebalance. Um, so it really depends on you. Um, if you've ever done detoxes, how healthy you've been, how many times you've been on antibiotics, et cetera. Um, it's just really hard to know. And it also, it comes down to how strict you are and how stressed you are too. Stress causes a lot of inflammation. So if you know you and, and another person could have the exact same symptoms, could be the same age and the same, you know, dietary choices, but one of you could be more stressed and then the person who's more stressed would take longer to heal. So it really does depend. Um, but usually at the end of the 90 days of candida cleansing, you should have a significant relief in all your symptoms, provided you do things, you know, the right way with the liver cleansing and all that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so interesting. And you're right. Stress is so, it has such a big toll on your health. And I'm actually convinced that my, when I first started getting my candida overgrowth, it was stress related because I was actually going through a lot of stress seven months ago with work. And there was this really big project that was coming up and all this drama was happening with it. And I was genuinely so stressed. And I was also putting my body through stress because I had just, you know, put myself on the keto diet, which I've never really done before. And I think it just kind of triggered everything. Um, so I completely, I completely agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, but you know, the annoying thing is that like, I've always thought I was this like healthy person because I grew up, my parents are, you know, the very healthy and we grew up eating organic, a lot of veg, you know, not too much processed stuff, but like, and I always was healthy even from like 16 years old to 20 years old mm-hmm. um, because I was always kind of conscious about how I looked. Like I always wanted to like be like look good. So I would eat yeah. healthy kind of thing. It was more driven by that. Now it's more driven about, you know, my health health. Um, so that's great. But what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, the annoying thing is it's like, I feel like if I'm healthy all week, like let's just say in uni, I'd be healthy four days of the week. And then three days I would be drinking with my friends. Cause that's just what we did. Mm-hmm. And I think that just like, would you count that like a year of being half of the time healthy? Would you count that as, as a whole year of not being healthy? Yeah, for sure. And also, um, how many years like that you've been on birth control that like usually people on birth control, it not only does it have hormonal effects, but it 
you know, kills off the good bacteria that are in the gut. And it also um, really depletes the body of essential minerals like zinc. Um, so that would count um, along with if you've ever had like a traumatic event, that would count, even though you're not necessarily being unhealthy. If it's something that, you know, takes a toll on your health, it counts. Um, if you were on antibiotics, you know, ever at some point, if you took, you know, one year, you took a lot of Advil or Tylenol, you know, if you had painful periods or, um, you know, all that really does at the end of the day, it does count. Um, and some people just have like, even it really, cause it's so complex when you're born, even actually when you're in utero, if your mother had candida overgrowth, it passes through the placental barrier and you would be born with it. Um, so then you would, you know, be starting off with candida overgrowth. And if you were maybe fed wheat, um, you know, as when you were really young, then that counts. So it's really, it's hard to know for every, everyone's so different and it's hard to know, especially if, you know, you don't remember when you were a baby, um, what was going on, but it really, I would say, give it for sure a year of liver cleansing just to be safe because, you know, even if you were had like the perfect childhood and you never were on antibiotics or anything, just the stress of our fast paced lifestyle and the cortisol, you know, that's spiked in our body. We just have a lot of inflammation. So, you know, it's really hard mm. to know, but I would, I would definitely assume that everyone at least count five years of being unhealthy. Um, so basically what we're learning here is that everybody needs to do a liver cleanse. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody needs it. Absolutely. So I'm actually going to book with a homeopath. Is that the only way to do the liver cleanse? It's by doing the homeopathic, you think? Uh, obviously you said the herbs and the other supplements, but, and you said the chlorophyll and, and all that jazz, but we, so I basically need to go see someone so they can really, um, you know, pinpoint my, yeah, my, I'm- um, I would think that's just the, the the quickest and most effective way. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, they're, they're herbs and things, but I, what I've seen from clients and even just my own experience, like they're great. But if you have so much toxicity built up, if you're not a child, like if you're already grown up and you have stressful lifestyle, like I was so stressed when I was, you know, in school, um, trying to meet a whole bunch of deadlines and all that. And if you just, you know, you know, living in the world that we live in with all the toxins and stuff, you just naturally have so much build up in the liver that people way back in the day would not have had. So I just don't think herbs at this point, um, you know, are enough. They can help. And, and so can diet and, and, you know, drinking celery juice and all that kind of and like hot lemon water. They're definitely helpful. But I think if you really just want like deep healing and just proper balance and, and for it to not take forever, I just think the best way is homeopathics. Mm, okay. I'm booking it in. I'm doing yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing the results you get with it. So, but how motivating is that? Just knowing that all skin issues can be solved with a gut and liver cleanse. Amazing. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's so so motivating, <laughs> and it works. It's so motivating. Yeah, and I find it's too, incredible. Like, a lot of people are always just like how long is it going to take? Um, I have a vacation in two weeks and I want my skin cleared. And it's like, that's the one thing I just like people have to, to remember is it took you, you know, this long to get to the point that you are at now. And it's not going to take your body, you know, a couple weeks of eating clean and some supplements to, to reverse any condition that you have. It takes time. It takes dedication and you actually have to want it. So it's, it's not like an overnight fix, even with homeopathics, usually like people will start noticing improvement in two weeks, but it's not at all a cure and it's, it takes time to really truly heal. Um, like I said, I'm a, I'm in a year and a half, a year and a half in, and I've spent so much money on supplements and have not touched gluten or cane sugar or anything. And I still, I still have a long way to go. So 
it's very motivating, but it's also you have to be prepared mentally for it because it, it can be exhausting at times, always just thinking about your health. So a few questions for you. One, are there foods that you just need to avoid if you're doing a liver cleanse? Obviously, candida cleanse, you can't have so much because there's so much has, you know, yeast and sugar and and like mold and fungus and stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. And also, so yeah, for that year, like, are you, can I have like dairy? Can I have alcohol? Yeah, for the liver, like it's it's a lot less uh, strict, like you said, than the candida cleanse because even like certain sweeteners are going to be fine. I always say the more toxins you limit, the quicker your the results are going to be. So for example, mm. I would say limit alcohol, limit cane sugar, limit gluten, limit pop, all that kind of stuff. Preferably, you know, get rid of it altogether, um, especially during the, the liver cleansing phase because you really want to just not give your liver any more stress. The less stress it has, the quicker it can detox and heal. Um, but that being said, it's not, I, I don't believe in like an all or nothing approach to health. And if if you sticking to a liver cleanse or a candida cleanse means having those like random cheats here and there, having that random, you know, glass of wine or something here and there, then I say do it because it's better to, you know, have those little cheats and stick to the diet and the cleanse than just not bother with it altogether. So, um, of mm-hmm. course, the stricter you are, the better, but I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's good to think of like never being able to have certain things again. Cause I think that's just very limiting. Yeah. So if all I had was bone broth and vegetables and like very clean food, (laughs) it would take me a lot less time. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So my last question um, about this topic, how, so if I did the liver cleanse, let's just say someone did the liver cleanse and they're finally, you know, back to normal, can you just like stop taking the homeopathic medicine and then you're just like this forever or do you need to do some upkeep? Yeah, you definitely need to do upkeep. It's not like a one and done thing. Um, be just because again, we live in a world with just so much toxins and it's unavoidable. They're in the makeup products, they're in our clothes, they're in our paint, right? They're everywhere. So you would do a liver cleanse for a year. And then I would say you could probably go six months. I usually recommend like a bi-yearly cleanse. So maybe winter and summer or spring and fall, which is what I prefer, spring and fall. Um, and you would just do like a, a one month cleanse. You could either do homeopathics at that point, or you could just do cleansing, um, you know, with herbs and something else you could do just if you don't even want to do deep cleanses after that, you could just do hot lemon water daily that gets the liver flush daily. And after you do the homeopathics and stuff for a year, that would be enough upkeep. Um, if you do liquid chlorophyll, even better. Um, mm. So I find like now that I'm like kind of starting to wean off homeopathics because I've been on them for a year and a half. Um, I'm just doing more hot lemon water and liquid chlorophyll and aloe vera gel. And that's, you know, really some green juices when I can. And it's great to just flush the liver. And I don't even have to worry so much about constantly liver cleansing now. Mm-hmm. So true. Um, does it have to be fresh lemon or can it be like the bottled um, lemon The juice? organic one works if it's um, like citric acid free. I just do recommend fresh organic lemon if you can get it every morning. It's always the purest because you get the most enzymes and stuff from it. Um, But yeah, if you can't get access to it, then the bottled stuff is okay. Okay. And what are the worst foods for your liver? Like what are some things that are a big no-no? Obviously you said before, like stay away from like refined sugar and alcohol and dairy, but is there a food, like is dairy like really, really bad for your liver and hard to kind of get all the toxins out of? Yeah, there's not. Or is it just general? It's just more general, um, like anything with toxins, like canola oil, sunflower oil, just that kind of stuff in general. Um, but then it comes down to the individual. If you have 
a sensitivity to dairy, then you would have to stay away from that. Or it just means your body will produce even more toxins and more inflammation when you consume it, which means more stress on the liver. Some people just cannot have nightshades. And so then that's something you should avoid. Um, but like I said, yeah, it's not so strict with the liver cleanse. It's more just whole clean foods. So less like, you know, canola oils, um, sunflower oil, um, cane sugar, that kind of stuff. Um, something that is hard on the liver is like anything that's like alcohol or, um, even fructose, like agave syrup is much harder because your, your Mm. liver has to completely break that down, um, and store it. So those are maybe something I would say alcohol would be, it would be big. Um, but again, it doesn't mean you can never have it. Um, just like really limit, limit it. And then overall, just really try to just eat clean during the liver cleanse. And then as you move into the candida cleanse, then it gets strict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And really quickly about the candida cleanse, obviously any listener can go look at your video or even Google like what you can't have on a candida cleanse. But this one, like I actually was looking into this and I wanted to know your advice. What about nutritional yeast? Because technically it's an inactive yeast, so it doesn't, it shouldn't really affect it. But my friend who's a nutritionist told me that, you know, it may be just better to kind of stay away from when you're doing this cleanse. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would stay away from it just because um, even though it's inactive, it's still a yeast, which means it can still create like that dampness in the body. And something that you really want to work on when you have candida overgrowth is um, really warming up the body. So getting rid of yeast and anything dampening like dairy and yogurt and that kind of stuff is, is so important. So I usually stay away from nutritional yeast all the time. Um, I find if I do consume it, I do get, um, like a little bit of itchy skin. So Mm. like the histamine, so it still does have some effects on certain people, but other people can tolerate it fine. So, so interesting. It's crazy. It's like, I I wish everyone was the same. So we knew the answer for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Anyway, we've been talking for almost 50 minutes. I, I feel like we, we're done the episode already. I want to do another episode with you, though. You're so informative, and I've had such a nice time. Thank you. I have, too. It was nice talking to you. I know. It was so nice talking to you. Do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you on your socials and everything? Yeah. Um, I have um, a YouTube channel. It's Happy Holistic Life. Um, and I just share a couple of videos a week on anything health related. Um, I also have an Instagram. It's at Marla's Healthy Life. Um, and you can find it in the des- uh, links to it in the description box of my YouTube videos. But I do share um, like a day-to-day tips and tricks and lots of healthy candida and gut-friendly uh, recipes. Um, so yeah, those are my two, my two main. And then I do have, um, my holistic nutrition website, which is, um, holisticspring.com. And you can, um, you know, take a look at all my services there as well. Love it. Just followed you on Instagram. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It was, oh no, it's not working. Action blocked. What is happening? I'll try again later. Anyway, (laughs) maybe I followed too many people today or something. Um, (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you so much, Marla. You've been such a pleasure. All right, guys, go make sure to check her out. Bye-bye.